good morning. I feel I uh, stand before you today, as Roger mentioned, with uh, Tim and Bob, both in isolation, feeling a little bit like Stephen Bradbury 20 years ago at the Winter Olympics. He got gold because everyone else had fallen away. But isn't it great that we worship a faithful God? Isn't it great that we worship a God who is not bound by our time, who is not bound by our preparation, who is not bound by our words and our gifts and abilities, but we worship a God who loves each one of us and wants to speak to each one of us this morning. So let us pray before I speak. Dear God, we thank you that you are here. We thank, that, thank you that you go before us, you are beside us, you are encouraging us from behind. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us, that prompts us and draws us into a closer relationship with you. God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and our ears to see you to hear you, to acknowledge you, and to renew our faith in you. And God, speak to us through the passage that we are looking at today. Speak to us through our second value so that we may strive to be a community of faith who brings you honour and glory. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, uh, at the beginning of the year, my husband Cameron started a, a job with a new company through his business. And as he got to know this new boss that he was working with, uh, he was able to share a little bit about our lives and our family. And he was able to tell his new boss, you know, what I did as a job and a little bit about our family makeup. And as they continued getting to know each other, Cam was able to learn about his new boss as well. And he discovered that his new boss had only been in Australia with his wife for the last few years. And as we know, the last two years have not been a normal kind of year for us, two years for us, particularly in Melbourne. So he realised that he hadn't actually experienced a lot of Australian hospitality. And so we arranged for them to come to our house for a meal. Now, a week before this meal was to take place, Cam received this text message from his boss. Good morning, Cameron. I want to ask if there is any dressing code for visiting your family. This is our first home visiting to priest in Australia. We don't want to offend you and your family mistakenly. Now, when Cam told me about this text message, I, like you, had a bit of a chuckle. You may not know me well, but for those who do, you know that I don't really stand on much pomp and ceremony, and if you have come to my house, we just receive each other as we are. And even though I have done the training and I have reverend before my name if I choose to use it, never had I been referred to as a priest and never had anyone asked if they had to wear something special in my presence. I could get used to that a little bit. No, no, no. <laughs> this, as I continued to think about 
this text message and this relationship that Cam had started to grow with, with his new boss. Well, initially, it was so funny and so humorous to think that someone would think that of us and our family and someone in my role. I could tell by all the laughter in the room when, uh, when you read this. <laughs> but as I kept thinking about it and reflecting on it, it actually brought a real sadness to me as well. That someone would feel that just because of someone's position, someone's training, that they should act in any different way before me. That just because of a title, because of a position that I held in a faith community, that I would be elevated above them and above others. And that's why I love and I was really excited and enthusiastic to preach on this next value that we have, which is a priesthood of all believers. Now, for those of you who may not know or you're just connecting in online this week, uh, we're, we're currently in a series where we're looking at some new church values that we are looking at, four values that we believe that Tim has been working on with the leadership, that we believe that if we are able to live out these values as a faith community, then we can truly have such a positive impact for God in our, in our community, in our wider community, and in our world. And last week, Tim started on a renewed humanity reminding us that the love that we have through Jesus Christ, the love that we can share to each other, sets us apart and can change us and can highlight us amongst our world. And that that love is so powerful and so important. And today, we're going to look at this second value, a priesthood of all believers. And this is how it's framed within our new values. A priesthood of all believers where all disciples are equipped to do the works of Jesus in the world. A church that serves the least and the last as we work to bring justice, healing and liberation from the systemic and demonic evils that destroy lives, families and communities. We will train and send servant leaders who truly follow Jesus, love sincerely, and lead for the sake of others. We will raise up women and men to be a royal priesthood and ambassadors for God wherever he sends them. We are one. We pray that as we serve, God will do the impossible. An incredible value for us to have. And these values are not just plucked out of thin air. These values are not just things that we like or we lean towards. These values have been chosen from biblical basis, from, from a reading through the scripture, through a, a calling out of who we should be. And this value is no different. Time and time again, throughout the Bible, particularly throughout the, the New Testament, we hear this idea that every believer is called to live out within a priesthood. And the passage we're going to look at, one of the many passages that mentions this, is from 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read this together if you have a digital Bible or a paper Bible or if you just want to follow with me on the screen. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, 
Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What an incredible passage for us to base this value of a priesthood of all believers on. And so let's unpack this passage to get a full understanding of what this means and what God is speaking to us through this. Now, who wrote this passage? Uh, It's a bit of a giveaway by the book it came from, 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter wrote this this letter, this letter to, to a church. And uh, Peter was, the Peter that we read about, one of the 12 disciples. Peter's first name actually was Simon. That was the name that he was originally given by his parents. He was known as Simon. He was a fisherman. And God and Jesus, when he was here on earth, he called him out, come follow me, leave your nets and come become fishers of men. And so Simon became a disciple of Jesus. And over the three years that Jesus did ministry, he followed Jesus, he watched Jesus, he was mindful of Jesus' ministry, he was a part of it. Now during that ministry, at one point, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he said to his disciples, so who do people say I am? Like, What's the word on the street? What's the gossip mills, you know, saying about who this Jesus is? And some of them gave some answers of things that they had heard. But Simon piped up when Jesus asked, but who do you say I am? And Simon declared, well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And when Jesus heard this from Simon's mouth, Understanding that this was not his understanding, but God speaking through Simon. He said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And I tell you, Simon, that you are Peter, Petros, literal translation meaning rock. 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So here we have Peter, years later, renamed by Jesus as the rock, as the one that God was going to build his church. And here we have him now writing to a congregation and telling them that they are living stones, that they are living stones and they are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Gives you a bit of an idea that Peter had a real affinity with these building materials, didn't he? Now, don't hear him wrong. Just because his name was, was Petros, was rock, it doesn't mean that these stones were just pebbles and that were lesser than what he was. No, Peter is giving this congregation the same term, the same word as what he is saying about the living stone. Now, who is the living stone? Who was rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him? Who's Peter referring to there? It's not a trick question. Jesus, thank you, yes. Jesus is the living stone. And it is this same, this same word, stone. Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation of the building. This, this, you, this word was much more a stone that was used for actually building a, a, a structure, a home or a, a center of worship, whatever it might be. And here is Peter declaring the living stone and calling each of those in this congregation that they too are a living stone together and God can use them to build the church, to build a spiritual house, to call them out to a holy priesthood. These are powerful words that Peter is speaking over this congregation. So, so who is this congregation? Who are these people that Peter goes on to say that they are a chosen people, that they are a royal priesthood, that they are a holy nation, that they are God's special possession? These must be amazing people, right? These must be incredible people to be put on such a pedestal, to be given such incredible titles. Well, Peter was actually writing to a church, a new church, a church of new Christians. And in fact, it was a church predominantly made up of Gentiles. Now, as a refresher, or if you don't know, in the Bible, we read of two different groups of people. We read about the Jews, the Israelites. They came through through the, the family line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were chosen by God. They were a people that God wanted to reveal to the rest of the nations what it truly was to follow him. It was through the family line that the Jews and the, the, the Israelites were given their name. And then there was everyone else. Right? Didn't matter what race you were or what, what gods you worshipped. They were all lumped into, into the, another title of Gentiles. Those that weren't Jews. Not those that weren't from Israel. And it was from within this group of people 
that Peter went and served after Jesus' death, his resurrection and ascension into heaven. And he spoke the truth about who Jesus was. And even though they did not grow up understanding with the understanding of one true God, through the Holy Spirit and through the work of the disciples, these, these new congregations started to be formed, not of Jews waiting for the Messiah, but of Gentiles understanding who Jesus was. And these words that Peter uses are not new words. They weren't new phrases. In fact, these were words that were given to the Israelites as their identity. So the Israelites, a few generations ago, uh, before this, they, they were a huge nation, but they were living in Egypt. And a new pharaoh came on board and he was worried and nervous that they were such a large nation and he made them slaves. And he, he made them, them slaves to the people and they had hard work and a terrible life and they called out to God. And God heard his people. And through Moses and Aaron, they went to Pharaoh, they asked him to let the people go through God doing incredible signs and wonders, through 10 plagues, finally the people are able to leave Egypt. And they cross over the Red Sea on dry land as, as God parts the sea. And as their enemy is coming after them, God moves the waters again and they are, they are abolished. And the, the Israelites are on the other side of the Red Sea. They are redeemed. They have been released from slavery. And through Moses, God says this to this people in Exodus 19. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Are these words that we have just read in 1 Peter chapter 2? These were words that God spoke over the Israelites. But now Peter, through an understanding of what Jesus Christ did on this earth, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, no longer do you have to be born through a family line to be redeemed, but anyone who believes will be redeemed and can step into this new identity of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And this is what Peter is speaking over this new congregation. These Gentiles who are struggling, who are being persecuted because of their choice to follow Jesus. And Peter is encouraging them and he is giving them a new identity. Let me explain it this way. If you have a look at this brooch, and if I was to ask you, what do you think of this brooch? Your first response would be just your personal taste, right? Whether you liked it, whether you thought it was pretty, whether you thought it was ugly. Now, you know, I'm not 
a massive bejeweled brooch type person, you'll be so surprised to know. But I can look at this brooch. I can see its beauty. I can see its artistry. And it's a, it's a nice brooch. But what if I told you that this brooch belonged to my grandmother? Ah, now the brooch has a bit greater meaning. Not because it has changed, the picture is exactly the same. But now because you know who it belongs to, you might think, oh well, maybe that's passed down the family line for Linda. Maybe it's, it's an antique because it's older. Maybe because of Linda's love for her grandmother, it has extra significance for her. What if I told you this brooch actually belonged to the Queen? Suddenly, this brooch has even more meaning because as wonderful as my grandmother was, she did not hold a position as royal and as high as what the Queen does. You see, our opinion changes when we know who owns the brooch. Suddenly, we look at this brooch as, well, maybe it should be in a museum. It's special. It's from royalty. This is what Peter was trying to say to the Gentiles. This is what God has been trying to say to people through all generations. That you are my special possession. And if we belong to God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, how much more precious could we ever possibly even conceivably be? And this is what Peter was saying to the people, that you are chosen, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation, that you are God's special possession and that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now you have received mercy. Now this should not be a foreign concept for, for many of us here, this whole idea of a priesthood of all believers. Maybe it's because you've read it in the Bible, you may have heard it before. But for those of you who don't know, one church is actually a part of the denomination called Churches of Christ. And without going into too much Church of Christ history, this is such an important value for every Church of Christ. Because Churches of Christ was a movement that came out in the 1800s. And to give you a small snapshot of how it came about is the church at the time was so regimented and so rigid and so specific about who could minister communion and who could offer prayers and who could preach and how church had to be that it restricted people from even meeting together and having communion together. And when the, the settlers in the United States started moving across the frontier, believe it or not, 
the priests and the ministers weren't going before them to set up a church for them so that then when they came into the, the new frontier that, oh, there's a church and we can go and have communion properly and have everything as exactly how it should have been. These people were going into new territory and they themselves didn't want to miss out on the worship of their God just because they didn't have a priest or a minister there for them. And so they started reading the New Testament. They started reading the life and ministry of Jesus. They started reading about the early church and how the early church was being formed. And they started realizing that these restrictions that the church had put on them were not actually biblical. And that in actual fact, God was calling every single one of them into a priesthood of all believers, and that if anyone was to believe, that they could step out, that they could receive and offer communion, that they could pray for one another, that they could open the scriptures and have an understanding of who God was, because God is not bound by our structures, he's not bound by our education or our theology, he's not bound by our buildings, but because of the Holy Spirit who moves through all believers, we can rise up and just like Peter declared over the Gentiles, and just as they were proclaiming as this new movement of churches of Christ was coming, so too can we rise up and can we have called over us as well that we are a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, we are God's special possession that we can stand up, that if you believe, you can be a priest in your own world. Because as much as I'm passionate about this, and as much as I love and believe this, I have not been positioned in your homes. I have not been positioned in your workplaces. I have not been positioned in your schools or your universities. I've not been positioned in your retirement homes. I have not been positioned in your neighborhoods or amongst your peers. But God has positioned you there. You are called to be a priest to all those around you. And I think often with that word, it, it comes with many complicated understandings. But it is this, a priest is a bridge between God and people. A priest is someone who lives their lives according to what God has called them to live so that others can see God in their life too. You are called to be a bridge. You are called to be a bridge to show those that you are around an idea and the character and the concept of God and that Jesus Christ actually offers mercy for everyone so that we can all step up into a priesthood, so that we can be the bridge between God and our world 
to declare his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his acceptance to every single person that we meet. What an incredible value this priesthood of all believers are because it calls each one of us to rise up. Each one of us to be willing to say, I am called. I am a chosen person. I am part of this royal priesthood. I am God's special possession. And I am willing, as I believe, to step out and be a bridge between God and people. As I invite the band to come forward, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for me for a moment. And I want you to be really honest with yourself and really ask yourself that in the last week, the last month, the last year, have you truly been a bridge between God and all people? Have you stood up in every opportunity, in every place where you exist? Have you fully understood your call to be a priest in your neighbourhood and to be a bridge between God and those you live with? Because if you're anything like me, as you think and reflect, you realise that we are all fallen and that we all fall short of God's call in our lives. But we do not worship a God who pulls us down and highlights where we go wrong. But we worship a God who offers mercy and grace to all. And so we pray, God, as we look across our lives, we know that we have often fallen short of being the bridge that you have called us to be. And as we have strived to show your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your kindness, your joy, your peace, your patience, as we have strived to live for you here on earth, God, we fail and we are sorry. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us when we are not the bridge that you call us to be. Thank you that you wipe the slate clean. Thank you that you do not leave us and let us go just because of one failing. Thank you, God, that you continue to call us and you continue to speak over us as a chosen people. God, thank you that you give us a new chance to step into your call and to be all that you would have us be here on earth. 
And we pray this in your gracious name. Amen. As we think about this idea, this value of a priesthood of all believers, what I would love to do is ask you to consider whether you are ready to recommit, to step into that that place of being a chosen people again. And what I'd invite you to do, if you're uncomfortable to do so, if you would like to recommit your life in saying, yes, I will be that bridge, then I encourage you to stand with me now, to stand up as we declare that we are a chosen people, that we are a royal priesthood, that God has called us as a holy nation, that He chooses us to be His special possession. If you would like to go into this week recommitting that call on your life, then with me now, I encourage you, stand up just where you are. Stand up as a commitment to be that bridge between God and His people. And you may not have made this commitment before, but God invites each one of us that if we believe, we can stand. And He says over us again and again, you are my chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are my special possession. And look around you, you are not alone. We are a community of faith who all stand and commit and recommit every day, knowing that we fail, but we worship a God, a merciful, gracious God, who still calls this out of us to be a bridge, to be the bridge into your neighbourhood, a bridge into your workplaces, a bridge amongst your peers, to help all people see who God is. We don't go it alone because we are a part of a faith community, but we also don't go it alone because God has gifted us with the Holy Spirit. A Spirit who speaks to us God's Word, a Spirit who calls us closer to God, a Spirit who draws us closer to God so that we can be the bridge. And as we stand and commit our lives as a chosen people, let us open our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit is calling you to lead, where the Spirit is asking you to let go of things, where the Spirit is calling us into, let us stand as we sing this next song as a recommitment, asking the Holy Spirit to break into our lives so that we may continue to be a bridge from God to every single person that we meet with this week.